Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey. I call them like I see them, all right? And Jeff is... Who the hell is Jeff? Um, well, I'm so glad I get to talk about Cox. I'm really happy. Dicks. Yay. Oh, look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome to an impromptu edition of the Intentionally Offensive Wrestling Podcast. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Jason. Uh, for those of you who caught the show earlier in this week, there were some technical difficulties. Uh, Troy and Jeff putting out, put on a great show. Uh, unfortunately, none of you got to hear it because Troy's recorder died on him in the middle. Um, but we did not want to leave you hanging and there was a lot of stuff to cover. They did get into a little bit of the perfect ten, so we're not going to get here. But there was one topic, a fairly major topic, that they didn't get into. Uh, and that is the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And I got some shit to say about it. But I am not alone in having shit to complain about with Hell in a Cell. Because Jeff has graciously agreed to join me here on a Friday night to talk about a horrendous pay-per-view. Jeff, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I'm back again to talk about it for the second time, but I'm totally down for that. And Jeff continues to lead the world in exciting intros. you got to keep the theme going. It, it's, a, it's a gimmick at this point. You might as well roll with it, right? Exactly. Um, so before we get into this whole thing, uh, allow me, uh, Troy hinted at it a little bit. I had some uh, family medical issues this past week. Uh, it was a very, very tough week. Uh, got through it, getting to the other side. Things are turning turning around and getting better for, for my family members. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who reached out. Thank you in particular to my co-hosts who uh, stepped up and said whatever whatever I needed, whatever I needed to have covered, they would take care of it, uh, unless it was after 9.30 and Adam got sleepy. Um, but no, uh, for real, uh, Troy, Sal, Adam, and, and you as well, Jeff, thank you guys. appreciate it. It means a lot to me that you guys were there for me. Um, but like I said, things are turning around, and this is not the Jason Vence's Problems podcast. This is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, where we like to shit on things. And the WWE gave us a big steaming pile that we could take aim for in the form of the pay-per-view Hell in a Cell. So, Jeff, I guess before we start talking and running through these matches, and we're not going to go four hours like we did on All In, I don't think, at least, um, <laughs> what, what was your expectation level of Hell in a Cell before the pay-per-view started? Uh, honestly, um, it wasn't... I, I didn't put it that high. Um, I mean, the biggest feud I had going into it the most exciting feud for me was either samoa joe and aj styles or daniel bryan and the miz but even the daniel bryan and miz thing has cooled down so much i i, I whatever um i didn't care too much for the main event um i i was looking forward to the rusev day new day yeah. 
that was cool. And uh, I mean, there were some the, some bright spots in this pay per view, but for the most part, you're right, it was shit. Yeah, see, and going into it, like like you mentioned, Joe and AJ, I, I had very high hopes for that. I had very high hopes for Charlotte and Becky. Right, that um, one too. I sort of knew that the Raw tag team match would be would be a great one. Um, and and of course, you know, Rousey and, and Bliss was sort of a foregone conclusion, but I was curious to see how they would follow up the absolute domination uh, at WrestleMania. And of course, the mixed tag, just for the train wreck factor of Brie Bella being in the ring. So... <laughs> My expectations were actually fairly optimistic for this show. I thought they would they would be able to give us um, you know a solid performance, good matches with good performers, and the the performers weren't bad. The matches themselves technically weren't bad. Um, I'm going to take aim throughout the course of this conversation at my favorite target, I guess, uh, the writing staff, the creative crew, Vince McMahon, whoever's responsible for making some of these decisions and calls. Uh, I consistently say I hate the WWE product because a lot of times I don't hate the product, but when I get upset with it, it's because they insult my intelligence with the way they write this shit. Um, but yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna get in your way of uh, you complaining <laughs> about that. Believe me. All right, but before we get before we get into my bitch fest, let's start from the beginning. Let, let's see where we go sort of organically through this conversation. So we had. The SmackDown Tag Team titles unceremoniously, of course, moved to the pre-show. Uh, the pre-show, of course, which now features Jonathan Coachman, uh, and we found yet another job that Renee Young is better than Coach at because he was awful during the pre-show. Um, but we did kick off the show in terms of pre-show with the SmackDown Tag Team titles as Rusev Day, Aiden English and Rusev, with Lana in their corner, took on the New Day. And this was one, I think, again... In sort of a recurring theme throughout the show. I think we saw sort of where this one was going. I don't think a whole lot of people thought Rusev Day were walking out with the titles here. Um, but the match was actually, it was a decent match. Um, I didn't have any complaints with the in-ring stuff. Um, New Day did their thing. And I guess my only real complaint was, again, we talked about the, the de-emphasizing of the pay-per-views, but if you were going to do this Rusev Day split, why wait till SmackDown? Why not do it on the pay-per-view? Yeah, that was uh, that was when, once that actually happened on SmackDown. I was a little disu- I was a little disappointed. Um, but it definitely should have happened here. But once again, it was on the pre-show. I don't know how many people would have actually seen it. Probably a lot more people would see it on SmackDown. So I, I don't know. But that's a fair point. That is a, that is fair. Um, no, I, I liked. I actually liked this match. Obviously, it was for some reason. It seemed like it was cut for time. I. It was like only eight minutes or something like that. And I think it was because of Marty Skrull and Okada, actually. They, they, they went, they're, they're still um, they so long at all in that it cut into this match, too. <laughs> yeah, that's still, everybody's still feeling the effects. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm actually a really big Aiden English fan, and I have been for quite some time. I think he has a lot of talent. Um, I, I tend to like kind of obscure wrestlers, um, okay. and I think uh, I'm a fan of him. I think he could do well as a heel. Um, and I think they actually kind of showcased him quite a bit in this match. Uh, usually he's just kind of there to get beat up. I mean, he lands a couple moves, but yeah. he actually was showcased pretty. He had the senton over the top rope. Um, he had some some decent offense in, and he looked like he was actually going to submit Kofi Kingston with the accolade he had on him. And uh, you know, I don't. I, I'm still a little confused as to why he, it seemed like why would Rusev want to tag in? But I guess it was just kind of. Um, I mean, it was it was a solid match. 
And I mean, I picked. I know I picked Rusev Day in my predictions, but that was only because I was hopeful they would win. You you make a fair point in saying that they probably wanted Max eyeballs on the split, and that's why they did it on SmackDown as opposed to here. I guess I can, and especially on the pre-show. And so I guess I I will acquiesce to that. You're probably correct on why they did that there. Uh, as for the split. And Aiden English in particular, I, I like English. I think he works hard. I think he's he's try he's been saddled with a lot of sort of shitty gimmicks throughout his time with the company. Um, I think the guy's talented. He's got a, certainly got a different look than everyone else. He clearly puts a lot of time into his physique. Um, curious to see sort of where they go with him here because this the singing goofball character has to go away after the split. So you got to think maybe maybe he's going like the old uh, Impact Samuel Shaw psychopath angle, and I think they could they could probably make some hay with English in that kind of a role. I think he could pull that off well. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, definitely. I, I I was I was on Wednesday. I, I put a lot of concern out there to uh, like I, I think it'll be an interesting feud between Rusev and Aiden English, but I'm really concerned what's going to happen after it because before they were together, they really were just doing nothing. I'm just. I hope it doesn't go back to that afterward either. I, I hope Aiden English steals Lana. I think that would be a nice way to do that angle. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next up was the first of our two Hell in a Cell matches, and this one was the one that um, every time we have these pay per views like Hell in a Cell, I say the th- the thing that bothers me about them is that oftentimes we have a cell that needs a match rather than a match that needs a cell, and I think this was a great example. This feud was nowhere near hot enough or exciting enough or anticipated enough or they didn't have enough real history behind it for it to really warrant being a Hell in a Cell match. It was a Hell in a Cell match because Jeff Hardy wanted to have a Hell in a Cell match before he retires. So he got that. That's what happened. It was very violent, super violent. They took advantage of the Cell. They did all the spots you would expect them to do. Um... And ultimately, it's it sort of had some moments, probably maybe perhaps the moment of the pay-per-view in terms of what had people talking the next day uh, with the screwdriver spot. And if you haven't seen it yet, go check that out. Um, I guess for me, the biggest problem I had with this was the finish was a little weird because uh, we had the ending to the main event, Hell in a Cell, we'll get to that. But this one, also, the referee tried to just randomly stop the match. And... I'm sort of like, this isn't really the rules of a hell in a cell. Like, you don't stop for injury. That's sort of the point of the whole thing. Um, But the the whole thing with Jeff Hardy sort of going to the top and just sort of swinging and Randy Orton moving like a full 15 seconds before Hardy even let go, and then he just face plants through a table. It, like the ending was really weird to me. I think the timing was off. Um, but all in all, both guys worked hard, and I think Orton played his character very well on, on the pay per view. Yeah, I mean Randy Orton as a as a heel, especially this type of heel, is always entertaining to watch. Um, yeah, there was some really brutal stuff in this match, especially for a WWE match. It kind of harkened back to the days of uh, you know C-Z-W. the old Hell CZW. <laughs> the the old days in Hell in a Cell when they used to have a lot more brutal matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he the, the whole taking the studded belt, whipping each other with it, and Randy Orton's back looking Oof. awful after it. That looked right. really... Yeah, it was bad. Oh, it was bad. 
and uh and the swanton with the chair and it yeah. friggin cut his leg open and it looked like it had swiss cheese hanging out yeah. or string cheese or whatever the hell it was, it was yeah. bad it was really brutal yeah. um and credit but, to credit to orton for continuing to work through it too oh yeah yeah you, you didn't even know he didn't even grab at his leg really at all um but uh yeah i mean the ending once again i mean and troy made a point of this on wednesday which we didn't get to hear but he made the point that Jeff Hardy was saying so, uh, along the lines of, I'm going to s- do something that nobody's ever done before in the Hell in a Cell, and that didn't really happen. Um, he just kind of got on top of the cage and... Well, and in his defense, up. nobody has ever done a complete swinging faceplant through a table in the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, you know, that is true. I don't know why you'd want to, but hey, you know, I guess he, is, I guess he was right. Yeah. And, and yeah, to have this kind of ref trying to stop the match finish in both Hell in a Cell matches is really, really dumb. Yeah, uh, But we'll get more on that. We'll get more into that later. Yeah, and that to me, in retrospect, looking back after the fact, was sort of the part that was like, okay, so two Hell in a Cell matches and the referees are trying to stop both of them without a winner. That's a little strange to me, given the context of Hell in a Cell. But all things considered, a solid opener. Obviously, Hell in a Cell is going to pop the crowd as the opener. Um, but With that awful, awful red cage. Yeah, yeah, I... That was a very polarizing thing. There were some people that really liked the red cage, but I saw a lot of people that really hated it. I didn't really get hard for it or flash it either way. Um, I, it was perfect. I, I thought it... The viewing angles for Hell in a Cell when it was a regular cage weren't great, but I, I found myself having a harder time sort of being able to see from the wide the hard cam shot. Uh, I don't know if it was just a mental thing or if the red actually impacted my, my viewing angles, but... Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan. I mean, I, I guess they just did it to do it, but I guess it made it look more sinister and evil. So in that sense, it fit the gimmick. But I, I don't, I don't know. I sure. I, I mean, I would, I would be curious to see what it looked like live. See if it was better or worse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I will say, I thought it was kind of cool that they did a live stream of the whole thing being constructed. Um, something. Oh a bit, yeah. A little bit different for the company. Sort of uh, live streaming is sort of something that's becoming very popular within the industry and. This was sort of their first real foray into it, and I thought they did a nice job with it. It was, it was an interesting thing to do. So I give them credit for a little bit of uh, creati- creativity there. There wasn't a lot of creativity on the rest of the pay-per-view. <laughs> you got you got to give them uh, credit for something, right? Exactly. So from Jeff Hardy taking a face plant to one of the, uh, maybe I venture to say the hottest program in WWE right now, Charlotte Flair defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against the last kicker, Becky Lynch. Uh, We've talked ad nauseum about this feud in recent weeks on the show. Um, The good and the bad of this whole thing, we've gone way over the top in depth on this thing, so I don't want to dig too deep into that. Um, This match, for me, because it was so highly anticipated, I was a little surprised it was put on so early in the show. Uh, also, immediately following a Hell in a Cell match, it seemed like a spot for sort of a popcorn match. Um, but you look up and down the card, there's not really anything that you would qualify as sort of the popcorn match on this show unless once you moved the, tag, the SmackDown tag titles to the pre-show. Um, but in any event, so these girls had a hell of a match. I, I found myself very much enjoying this match. Um, I thought the work rate was great. I thought the story was, was told well throughout the match. I thought they played into both both people having legitimate issues with each other. It felt real. It felt personal. Um, and ultimately, my my only real issue here is I think it was too early to put the belt on Becky. 
Um, I would have held off on that for a little bit. I would have had Charlotte win here. Um, maybe, if, again, in a perfect world, if I'm booking this show, Charlotte wins by cheating. Um, and then we do sort of the double turn with Becky as the badass face and Charlotte just going back to her roots. I, Charlotte is so, so much better as a heel. And for some reason, the company continuing to fight the talents and the best usage of their own um, employees have decided to keep her as a face. I don't fucking understand it. She's not sympathetic, um, and she's just much, much better when she's talking shit. But Becky Lynch has been talking a lot of shit, and on this night, she backed it up. She is the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Jeff, what did you think? Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I think this was definitely a candidate for me for match of the night, uh, especially in terms of storyline. It... Becky is so insanely over. It's ridiculous to even think that Charlotte is also a face. Um, it's it's, for, it's like just the difference in the pops when they came out is is night and day. Um, I was just I was gonna say I had it written down here, and that was before the stupid mix match challenge. But does Charlotte ever hit her moonsault anymore? I feel uh, I feel like that she just always misses it. I don't know. There there was one recently. Maybe it was on. Smackdown, where she hit, well, she wiped everyone out and barely ever touched them. They all sold it like they got shot, but she didn't exactly them, to, my, so. to my point, that does she ever actually hit anyone? <laughs> anyone? It's, it's a really dangerous move to try to execute, and I think a lot of times you see the other girls just sort of getting out of the way to make sure she lands safely, rather than taking the full brunt and risking her not getting the full rotation. Um, I mean, her her moonsault is really really pretty to look at. I just think it, it's probably her landing that, that yeah. she has some trouble with. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think there's a there's a degree of them trying to protect her from it. But yeah, it's it's definitely something where we could maybe find some way to improve it. Right. Well, I mean, there was definitely some really cool uh, spots in this match, like when uh, Becky went for the you know the missile drop kick and Charlotte countered it into the Boston Crab. That was pretty cool. Um, and then even the ending, I mean, I think there's a good way to end a match in a unexpected way to keep a feud going, and then there's a bad way. And I think this was a, I mean, to your point where you said you don't think Becky should get the title first, I, her getting it this way, I think, helps helps the storyline if she is the champ going forward, but, because she, so, it wasn't like a pulling the tights moment, it was just her countering, and it wasn't like... See, that's the thing, though, Jeff. If it had been a pulling the tights moment, if it had been something nefarious, then you have something to build off of. Because the story that they told us going into this, that the the heel character, at least in terms of how they booked it, in terms of Becky, was telling us that she was better than Charlotte. And Charlotte stole the opportunity and snuck her way in and weaseled the title. And by Becky beating Charlotte clean, you just made everything that the heel said true. So where do you go from here? Because you've beaten, you've told Charlotte you were better than her. You've beaten her clean. She has no reason to to think that there's any. There, there was no loophole there. There was nothing for her to hang her hat on and say I would have won if not for. Um, whereas if Becky wins, even if you're going to put the title on Becky, but if Becky wins by hooking the tights or holding a rope or something like that. Then you can have Charlotte Becky say, hey, I was the better, I, I was dirtier than the dirtiest player in the game's daughter, or blah, 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 and Charlotte has the option to say, you know, I would have won, you shouldn't have beat me, you had to cheat to beat me, I'm still better than you, and you can still go back and forth with the who's better, because right now, you can't do that. Becky told us she was better, and she proved she was better. So I think they took away some of the places they can go with the story. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, it didn't. I guess it didn't bother me as much. But when you say it like that, it does make does make some sense. Um, but it still wasn't her like putting her in a disarmor and making her tap. Or, I mean, it wasn't like uh, it was a counter and it was a clean pin. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But you know, at least going forward, nobody really finished. With nobody used their finisher yet, which yeah. at least there's that. Yeah, I just I'm old school in the sense that the wrestling trope is the heels lie and the faces tell the truth, and in this case, the heel told all the truth and then backed it up. Uh, I don't. Just, I, I, That's true. It, to me, it just took away from the story a little bit, at least in terms of building off of it. I thought there was an opportunity to launch this into something a lot cooler going forward that they sort of missed that chance, but. That was not the only title on the line. The Raw Tag Team Championship on the line in a match that I think we all sort of had a good feeling, except maybe Troy, as to which way this was going. But uh, I think we all went into this saying this is going to be fun to watch, even if we sort of already know who's going to win. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defending the Raw Tag Team titles against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And as good as this match was, it seemed like the crowd had a hard time getting into it. Oh yeah, definitely. They they were they were really it was really stale. Um, it felt stale. I mean, just with the crowd. Um, and the San I mean, the Antonio was... crowd is notoriously sort of quiet. They sit on their hands a lot. Um, and to their credit, they did come alive for that that closing sequence that last like five six minutes that I think was just phenomenal, um, laid out beautifully, including the absolute precision with which Drew McIntyre landed that uh, Claymore kick because he had a very short window of time to nail that in the right spot and he just absolutely did it. It was great. Yeah, the ending was great and that's one of the few endings on this whole pay-per-view that was actually great. Um, This was another candidate for Match of the Night. Uh, I mean, like you said, going into it, I I had a feeling these guys were going to tear it down and burn it down. Burn it down, yeah. Burn it down. Burn it down. I I got stuck between tear it up and burn it down. Yeah, it happens. Um, no, see, I I picked Ziggler and McIntyre to win, and I think I think that was the right call only because I think at this point Raw is desperate for believable strong heels, and I think McIntyre and Ziggler are only one of they're one of the two. There there may be they might be the only credible heels right now on Raw. Well, McIntyre besides is. maybe. Str- True, but you, you just need. I mean, if Ziggler at least has a title, you can at least argue that he's credible. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's pretty. If they had lost, I mean, where, what heels besides maybe Braun Strowman can you can you say are legitimate? Kevin Owens. Well, in terms of him talking, but the way they're booking him is, yeah. I would, I could hardly say he's credible at the moment. It's the way they're booking everybody, it's not. Braun Strowman or Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Uh, More on on that later. Anyway, so all in all, I think we're we're pretty much in agreement. This was one of, if not the matches of the night. Was there anything particularly about it that stood out to you? I mean, the ending. I mean, the ending was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Hats off to whoever laid out that finish, because that was great. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. I mean, that Claymore kick always looks awesome. And in that particular spot, it was perfect timing and it looked great and uh i mean like i said it was probably it might have been the best finish of the night honestly well you know what wasn't the best finish of the night 
And that was any the, of pick any of the matches we have coming up. Fair enough. But let's go to our next one. <laughs> AJ Styles defending the WWE Championship against Samoa Joe. Now, I will give them credit. This was an interesting finish. In so much as it looked like I was getting aggravated. I was pissed off because, first off, they had a tremendous match. I thought the work was great in this match. And watching Samoa Joe just always blows your mind that a guy that size moves as well as he does in a ring. With just the speed, the purpose, uh, the agility, it just it sort of is amazing how good this guy actually is. And then factor in that he's one of the best talkers in the business, too. Um, it's amazing this guy hasn't been on top of the mountain yet, but hopefully that's coming. Um, but I think what everybody left this one talking about was the finish. Now, I was pissed off when this finish occurs before before anything follows it up, because I'm sitting here thinking, and we consistently see this where they do this move where somebody's in a choke or a sleeper or something like that, and the other guy kicks off and rolls on top of him, and the guy executing the move is too stupid to let go of the hold, thus breaking oh. up the pinfall. Um, and I, I really pissed me off when they did that to Joe, because Joe as a character should be much more, much more present and aware than that. Um, but when you later see the story and how they did it, and that they got the camera shot, and that AJ did in fact tap before the three count. So if you're Joe, I'm going to hold on to this until two, then I'm going to let go and kick out. Oh, he tapped at two, I don't have to let go now. Um, so they, they covered it. They did it, they covered it well. So my issue is not with that. I thought that was actually executed pretty well. My issue is with the fact that we have two top championship matches on this show, both with essentially non-finishes. Or screw job finishes, and I think you you because and we're gonna see we're gonna talk about this later. But this whole thing, this fucking pay per view that I pay money for, that some people ordered on pay per view, was used to set up the fucking Australia show. Like I, I you <laughs> you build to hell in a cell, you get me into hell in a cell. And Hell in a Cell isn't the end of a story. You don't tell a story or conclude a story at Hell in a Cell. You just get me ready for the next fucking thing, the Australian show. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. This is my problem. I talked about this during our all-in discussion. They don't finish stories and move on to a different story. They're just constantly telling you the same story in different ways. And they're just constantly, they're not finishing this angle, they're promoting the next one already. And it really gets annoying after a while. Yeah, it does. I mean, I was really excited for this match. And I guess just AJ is just doomed to never headline a pay-per-view with his title. That's also (laughs) frustrating. Um, I mean, the Samoa Joe suicide forearm is always a cool move to see him do. Like, going to your point, he's just crazy, crazy athletic for his size. Um, AJ, AJ Styles is my, probably my favorite move of his is that moonsault DDT that he does because that always looks really cool when yeah. he lands it right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Although the, um, the, the reverse roll cradle back into the Styles clash that he did to Almas on SmackDown this week was pretty fucking amazing, too. Yeah, that was that was really cool. That was that was more of the unique finishes that we need. Right, stuff like exactly. that. Exactly, yep. Um, Samoa Joe's Enziguri in the corner looked really brutal, but I think that was just because he has really fat legs and he could slap his leg really loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the the finish the finish was. Um, I have a problem with it because you had 
the Becky Charlotte match two matches before, and it was a very kind of similar style of finish where it was a clean pin. And I, I, I said it made Joe look silly. Going back to you know him tapping, it's not as silly, but right. still, I don't know what it is with AJ Styles matches, and for him to have to continue a feud, it has to be some sort of weird fucked finish. Like, it happened with Nakamura I don't know how many times. Right. You can have somebody win and have the feud keep going. Right. Like, if Joe won this, you could easily have kept this going. No right. problem. Right. Yeah, and that speaks to my point, is that we don't close storylines. We just drag them out until people get completely fucking fed up with them and sick of them. And they don't want to see it anymore. Because yeah. it's just lazy booking because they don't have to build a new opponent. They don't have to build a new story. They can just keep running with the same fucking one they've been doing. It's. it's I mean, where do you go? Where do you go with the storyline from here? Because I mean, it's, it's still the same shit is going on. Well, and here's the other part of the fucking story. What they, I believe, what they've set up now is the the last time the, the final showdown in Australia is a no disqualification match. Well, cool. this match at Hell in a Cell didn't fucking end in a disqualification, so that stipulation doesn't prevent what we just saw from happening from happening again. It's like the Nakamura thing all over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This doesn't make any fucking sense. God. The one thing I did like was Joe sort of immediately storming out, not looking back like he was going to go talk to someone. Like Joe sold this like it was real, and I thought he did a very nice job of that. Yep. But, yep. Yeah. Again, with the creative, the finish is just—it's just lazy, man. Just lazy. It really is, especially with the match before it that had the great finish too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so then we went on to things that weren't so great. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella taking on the Miz and Maurice. Um, oh, cute! They had matching outfits. I those outfits were fucking awesome, though. I was like, as soon as they showed up on camera, like that's fucking great. I believe I read somewhere that they're actually selling those. The WWE is going to sell that as, uh, those glasses as merchandise, which is sort of awesome too. Um, yeah, so th- this happened. Yep. I mean, look, the heel tactics by Miz and Maurice were fine. I mean, it's very typical of them to do it, and you would expect it of them. I mean, I specifically think Maurice refusing to get in the ring is smart because she doesn't want to be decapitated by uh, Brie Bella. Yeah. So. Totally well, makes and, sense. And it plays um, into the chicken shit heel angle well, too. Sure. Um, I mean, and th- but thankfully, I mean, really, Bree and Maurice weren't in the match too long. Um, they, I mean, I think this, this, I, I, I don't know if it was just me. I feel like the Miz looked a little, little slower than he has in the past. Um, I, and maybe that's just because Daniel Bryan was so fast, but, um, Brie Bella, when she finally did get in, she fixed her Brie knee. I don't know if you saw it. It became an actual V-trigger, which was like oh, a vagina to the face. So that's the Brie trigger? That. No, V-trigger, because she threw her vagina right in her face <laughs> instead of her knee. <laughs> Isn't that the, um, that's almost his move? I mean, not a vagina, but kind of. he does the skull fucker, so it's pretty that's much true. the same thing, yeah. Yeah, um, but the most unfortunate part of this match was they did rely on the girls to actually finish the match, and it was awful. Yeah, 
It, was, it just looked like a clean pin at the end. It just looked clean. Yeah, it was sort of like if you told a bunch of five-year-old kids to have a play wrestling match and then somebody to pin somebody at the end, I envision that's what it would look like. They would sort of awkwardly roll around for a minute or two, and then someone would just like <laughs> hold the other one down. And that's pretty much yep. what it looked like. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of it. And then you go to SmackDown and come to find out that Maurice apparently is walking away, at least. I don't know if they... They weren't very clear if that whole thing was part of a setup or if Maurice is, in fact, actually leaving. Um, it wouldn't shock me either way. But I guess the question is, when you look at the fact that now we're going to Australia for Daniel Bryan versus The Miz in a number one contenders match, like, what the fuck does The Miz have to do a number one contenders match? He's now beaten this guy twice in a mixed tag and a singles. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, plus, this this feud has cooled down significantly oh, since yes. they introduced the women in. It really, really needs something for make me care about it as much anymore. And if they can manage to do that, which I'm very skeptical of, I think it it's not. I I think it's cool that the Miz won twice because when Daniel Bryan does win, and we know he will win, I don't know if it's going to be in Australia, but when he does win, it it will make it that much sweeter. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if the end result is a Daniel Bryan versus um, AJ Styles match, then I'm fully erect for that. Um, yeah. Or even AJ's, uh, even Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe, I'm all in for that too. Yep. But if so, I think I think if it Miz wins, we got with Houston, we got a problem. You know what I'm saying? It wins three times in a row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only way that that would work, the only way you could do that is if you have him win, go off in a different direction, and then when it comes to WrestleMania season, you kind of have them reignite the feud and Daniel Bryan win it from him at WrestleMania. Well, the feud's not really ignited at this point, so I don't know if you could even reignite it. But <laughs> Right. Uh, but hats off to you for being the only one to correctly predict the Miz and Maurice as the winners of this match. Um, I guess I, I like it. fell into the normal trope of, you know, the fucking face has to win eventually, and, you know, why not with his wife there? Yeah. <laughs> I, again, I when we do these picks, I assign too much logic to things that their creative staff doesn't. Um, well, since we're talking about things that their creative staff doesn't apply any logic to, Ronda Rousey defended the, the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. And like I said, I was a little curious to see how they would follow up the complete domination at SummerSlam. And, you know, I thought, uh, I thought Bliss did a nice job. I, I, I should say this. I thought Bliss did a great job. Uh, her character work is just next level. She's that good. Her in-ring work is covered up a lot by her character work, um, but the way she plays her character, even in the middle of a match, is just something to behold. I thought she was on display here as well. I thought they did a good job pre-match setting up the ribs with Rousey to give her a way to sort of have a little bit of control so she didn't have to get dominated again. Um, but again, ultimately, you come back to the fact that this match was sort of pre... Uh, it was... You already knew what was going to happen going in, and it was just watch and hope for something great, but as good as Alexa Bliss's character is, she doesn't have the ability in ring to provide you something great in ring. Yeah. Um, first of all, what the fuck was Alicia Fox wearing? Uh, I don't know. It was like a white body stocking? Something like that. And it was like... Is that her attempt at the opposite of like blackface? I think she's white going body? full Lady Gaga or something. I I just don't I don't understand what the fuck she was wearing. 
usually her gear is passable. I don't mind her gear. That's the only thing I don't mind about her. And her selling for Rhonda. But, um, okay, I want to get to some things because um, I do have some issues with this. I think this match, the match itself was fine. But I think this is what the match should have been at SummerSlam. Um, if the match at SummerSlam didn't happen and I saw this match, totally a great match. Have no problem with it. And I know her ribs were hurt, and they she did a, she did a decent job of selling it. Like I knew her ribs were hurting her, and Alexa Bliss just targeted it the whole time, right? But she, it, she struggled a lot with Alexa Bliss in this match, and it's it's hard for me to believe that she dominated so she, she just squashed her at SummerSlam and now she's coming here and she's struggling that much even with her injured ribs. It doesn't I don't think it looks good for her. And you know what speaking of which doesn't look good, her god she needs to stop doing those punches in the corner. <laughs> I think they look terrible. They look terrible. Better and or worse than Shane McMahon's punches. Oh, I think they're worse. Really? They don't even look like real punch yeah, I, I don't even think uh, they look Shane's are pretty real. Awful, That's because Shane... Well, at least with Shane, he he lays a few in there to the body. Like, you could always see him connecting to the body. Uh. <laughs> but, no, I, I do. They're pretty much on par for me. I hate that kind of thing where they're just punching the shit out of people in a corner. And the person's just sitting there covering up. And Okay, I got, can, I got you. Better or worse than Naomi's jumping sidekicks where she's standing up and kicking... Each side of the opponent's ribs, back and forth. Okay, you got me there. Okay, I you think that's one of the worst yep. moves in wrestling. So you don't like the rear view either? That could be in there. I, I would, I would take the rear view, but <laughs> I would too. I, I would too, but I don't want to watch the rear view. Nah. Um, okay, as, as so Adam is um, fond of saying her ass-based offense. <laughs> um. No, so what? Like I said, the, the match is what was what it was. Alexa Bliss was really good in the match. Match. Um, I, I, the other problem I had was her armbar. Armbar. It, was, it wasn't even an armbar. Armbar. Like, <laughs> she, uh, you, you're supposed to stretch the opponent's arm out, straight. The whole point of it is so you're bending the arm in the wrong direction. And Alexa Bliss's arm was completely bent at a 90-degree angle when she tapped out. Wasn't even straightened out whatsoever. And it's, she's done that quite a few times now, and people have tapped, like to a Nia Jax. Yeah. Her arm was completely bent. It's not an arm bar at that point. Arm bar. <laughs> Sorry. Um, He's still a <laughs> Jeff. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, thinking, um, I'm thinking she's been doing real ones for so long in her life, she's struggling to do fake ones. Well, I, okay, so in her defense, if you go back and watch her UFC fights, those arm bars don't stay on very long before the opponent taps. It's fairly instantaneous sure. as well. Um, right. The bending of the arm to me is sort of like their way of saying we're trying to fight it. Um, but if you're trying to fight it, don't tap. I get I get your point. Yeah, and I mean, you, we've seen it when when she did it on Stephanie, right? Stephanie to fight it, she hooked her hands together. Right. So like that's at least believable, and that's how people would really fight it. 
not just like have their arm. Yeah, I don't know. It just bothered so, me. It so bothered you don't me. find it weird that the um, vice president of or whatever the fuck her title is, Stephanie, uh, put up more of a fight to the arm bar than the former women's champion? Yeah, I, I, I would say that. <laughs> Certainly uh, a little bit of interesting way to book your talent there is sort of secondary to the owner daughter. But in any event, uh, that's nothing new. Um, speaking nope. of things that are nothing new, uh, WWE managed to piss off their entire fan base with the ending of a pay-per-view because Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns went to hell in a cell. Trademark. Uh, and with special guest referee uh, Big Foley because yeah. the Google Translate voicemail for Sal uh, read Mick Foley as Big Foley. Okay, well, there you go. Yes, Mick Foley was a special guest referee, uh, really apparently for no fucking reason at all, because he didn't do anything that a regular referee couldn't have done in this match. But um, Literally just to shill his WWE Network exclusive. Uh, apparently that was it. Um, uh, so this match, first off, we'll get to the end, because I think the end requires its own fucking conversation. Um, but during the match, to me, the part of this match that stood out the most was you get that spot where they go through the table. And I get that that was done to sort of lay them out for a minute to allow Ambrose and Rollins and Ziggler and McIntyre to come out and get their spots in. The problem is, everything took so long, it ended up like these two guys who have beaten... We've seen these guys just beat the piss out of each other. We've seen... It took Roman Reigns less time to get up from getting hit by a fucking ambulance than it did from this, this spot through a table. I mean, they were down for like yep. ten fucking minutes. It was really uncomfortable and weird and awkward. Yep. Yeah, it was really it was really silly. Um, we've seen Roman take like four F fives and get up quicker, and uh, a lot quicker after like a thirty seconds, he'll get up and spear somebody. Brock, but um, no, I thought the the match itself was. Good enough, but it was definitely the lesser of the two Hell in a Cell matches for sure. Um, and yeah, I, it's just like you know Ziggler and Rollins and all them coming out. It was literally just to come out to be like, hey, see, we didn't forget about putting two guys through a table. See, we can do that. It was just come on, like, is that really? That's really the only reason they were out there because how are they going to get into the cage? Apparently, Brock Lesnar tells us that, but. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, what did they expect to do when they came out? The uh, the other part of this that I thought was particularly interesting was uh, Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre pulling a Seth Rollins uh, in that Undertaker-Brock match where they just completely disappeared. Um, I don't know where they went. I, I where did even, they go? I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and Michael Cole's call with Seth Rollins. He crashed and burned oh. it down. Fuck you, Michael Cole. God damn, that's that, awful. That's almost as that bad as a John Sterling Yankee home run call. That was awful. I totally agree with that. That was really bad. That Ugh. was real. I, I literally got nauseous when I heard him say that. Oh my god, it was. It's just so prepackaged. And anyway, we'll, I'll, I'll talk more about Michael Cole in a minute too. But just so so fucking awful. Just terrible <laughs> bullshit. Any event. Um, <laughs> So they go back and forth, and, and now we get to, let's get to the ending here because this is what left everybody talking, and it's what I'm going to sit here and bitch about for a few minutes at least. Um, 
so it looks like we're about to get some semblance of, of a finish. And then all of a sudden we hear Brock Lesnar's fucking music. And Brock comes down. And for some reason, and, and I guess I must, maybe I missed this part, perhaps, uh, Brock wants to get into the cage, and Paul Heyman's trying to get the keys off of Mick Foley. Why is the referee for the match outside the cage with the cage door locked? <laughs> Why did Mick Foley, how are we supposed to assign the logic that Mick Foley unlocked the cage to go outside for no reason at all, because there are other referees out there that could have dealt with the people fighting out there, and then he went out of the cage and then locked the door behind him. No, he's he's a Terminator from Terminator 2. He just went through the bars. What the fuck? Yeah, you know how easy it would be for him to stay inside the cage and talk to Paul Heyman and still yeah. have Paul Heyman spray him? Absolutely. It would be so easy. Absolutely. But again, oh, go back God. and watch. Does he relock the cage? Did he, did, I don't even Did they have him intentionally relock the cage? That's what I want to know. Because it's just such an absolute fuck of logic that I, I imagine they didn't, and that just sort of makes it even better in a weird way. He just went over to Brock, uh, um, Roman, and, and Braun. He's like, don't worry, guys, I got this. So, so Fucking, then, go ahead. Fucking asshole. And then he, <laughs> I, it, that bugged me. Mick Foley, he had to be there to do something. Right. So. He had to get sprayed in the face by Paul Heyman. <sighs> what anyway. is that he's spraying? Is it mace? Is it hairspray? What the fuck is it supposed to be that he's spraying that incapacitating It's supposed to be mace, like I believe. Not the rapper. The. <laughs> Fair enough, whatever. That's stupid mace. <laughs> but then, because they couldn't get the key off, Brock just goes full on Hulk and kicks the door, solid steel door, right off its hinges. Which, by the way, if he could do that, why the fuck are they wasting time looking for a key? Uh, I don't know. The only way it would have been better is if he took that cage door and threw it up to the top of the fucking ramp. <laughs> but, like, Brock. Now, I know you're capable of kicking that door off the hinges, but... <laughs> but let me get the key first. But that probably costs them some money, so let's see if we can get the key and save them save them a couple bucks. What the fuck? Just, I'm not asking... I don't care who wins or loses. I, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, doesn't matter. I'm not going to sit here and boo Roman Reigns if he wins. I'm a, I'm a fan of Roman Reigns. What I'm going to do is sit here and get pissed off if you treat me like an idiot. And this match repeatedly treated me like an idiot. Now, so Brock comes in and lays both these guys to waste, which I don't really have a problem with because they've been through a long, grueling match. It makes sense that they'd be vulnerable for a fresh Brock Lesnar. But then the match just ends. Why does does the match end? I mean... I will say I do like Brock's beard. I think he looks better with the beard now. Always, Yeah, I've always thought he looks better with a beard. Um, and he took the cage door and propped it up in the corner like he was going to do something with it. And he just didn't. Right. He just left it in the corner there propped. Like yeah. I thought maybe he would throw somebody into it. or Like why no. even throw it in the ring? Literally just didn't use it. Just threw it in the ring for, you know, just, oh, just easier cleanup for the guys. I'll just throw it in the ring. Because like, reasons. And then decided to, you know beat the shit out of both of them with uh, pieces of a table. Yep. Um, okay, I mean, you could could do that with a chair, but... That's, or the that's steel fucking door. 
Yep, yep. That would, uh, you know, instead just grab pieces of a table. That's fun. And, I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he would beat the shit out of both of them. But, I mean, they just took a good 15-minute nap, so they should be okay to fight back just a little bit. But, oh, God, yeah. No, um, of course, you know, was it 1F5 to both of them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's enough to keep him down for the count, you know, and... Roman Reigns has taken like four or five and still been. It's not WrestleMania, Jeff. That's right. I forgot you get more powers at WrestleMania. Yes, absolutely. Everybody has to kick out of a finisher at WrestleMania. Right. Uh, So, I'm sorry. Are you you done with your recap for this finish? Because I got some shit to say. Well, I might have more after what you say, (laughs) but yeah, go ahead. So. I talked earlier with with AJ and Joe, but this to me was even worse. Now, we definitely had a non-finish here. We didn't even get a decision. At least with AJ and Joe, we got a decision. Here, we got nothing. This was not only the Universal Championship match. This was not only Hell in a Cell. This was also your Money in the Bank cash. And so we basically told you the Money in the Bank pay-per-view didn't fucking matter. And Hell in a Cell doesn't fucking matter. You know what fucking matters? Fucking Saudi Arabia matters, because that's where we're actually going to have some sort of finish to this. That's where we're actually going to have a match, because we have to... So so we didn't fucking have a finish at WrestleMania, because we had to promote Saudi Arabia. And we couldn't have a fucking finish at Hell in a Cell, because we've got to promote Saudi Arabia. Does Saudi Arabia need a match with this kind of detail and storyline attached to it. Because these motherfuckers are asking for Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior. So I'm guessing they're not following the fucking storylines. You could throw you could throw fucking Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston up in that bitch, and they would be just as excited as they will be for this triple threat match. They don't follow your storylines. They don't give a shit. Instead, you pissed off the paying customers in, Sa- in San Antonio. And I know they pissed them off. Now, you wouldn't know that they were pissed off to watch the WWE broadcast because the WWE broadcast cut their broadcast off right away. Now, yep. you may ask yourself, why did they, Why would they do that? Well, the reason they did that was because they fucking knew that the crowd was going to hate this finish. So they booked, intentionally booked, a finish to their pay-per-view for their paying fucking customers that they knew their paying fucking customers were going to hate. So much so that they altered their strategy for airing the pay-per-view. Here's an idea, guys. How about you book a finish that your crowd won't fucking hate? Yep. That's probably a smart move. They They went into this intentionally pissing off their paying customers. Now, Saudi Arabia ain't a paying customer. Those fans aren't buying tickets. So... Explain to me, if you're a fan in San Antonio and that's what you got for your hard-earned money when you plunked it down and bought a ticket, the next time they come to town to try to sell you some shit, what are you going to do? Because I sure as shit wouldn't go. Yeah, and I wouldn't be so sure they're going to have an actual finish at the Saudi Arabia thing, because remember what happened last time with that whole steel cage? (sighs) Yeah, that's a fair point, but I, I just... The degree to which they tell you and show you repeatedly that they don't give a shit about their fans. Like, to me, I've never, I, I've never one of those people that says, listen, because they push Roman Reigns, they don't give a shit about their fans. No, I think you can push a guy people don't like 
in a creative way that still shows you that you're listening and you care about the fans. When you book a finish to a pay-per-view for a live audience that's paid upwards of 100 bucks average for the ticket to your show, and you book a finish knowing that they're going to fucking hate it because all you're concerned about is promoting the next fucking show. You're telling me, I don't give a shit about you who've paid your money for this show. You can find out what happens at the next show because that's all we care about, promoting. And it's a slap in the fucking face to the paying customers. Yep. And you can talk to me all about all you want about ghost penises, and I know you love to talk about cocks, um, I Jeff. I do. You heard. <laughs> I know. Um, and you can talk about that all you want, but it was a storyline that had a conclusion and a finish. And it was a joke storyline, and it was a comedy storyline, but it was a storyline that had a fucking conclusion. At the big yeah. show, they closed the loop. It's true. Very true. Nope, we just get get this keep going. I mean, we get it to keep going. I mean, how many fucked finishes were on this pay-per-view? Uh, let's see. Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy. So there's one. Uh, Styles and Joe is two. Uh, Miz and Maurice was fucked up. I don't know if it was a fuck finish. but I know. So at true. least three. Yeah. That's, that's fucking shit it's just shit just fucking have a winner in a match it's not hard it's really not hard it's not hard to do that and and keep the story going it's not hard and by the way while we're on the topic for all those assholes because because i i've seen stuff in our chat rooms when we used to do live stuff and i've seen i've heard comments from people i know who listen to the show and i've i've gotten tweets etc etc for all you assholes out there who bitch and complain that I fucking go at the fact that they shoving broccoli, they're shoving Roman Reigns down our throats. Braun Strowman, in the last year, has been pinned three times. Explain to me how Braun Strowman's not being shoved down your fucking throat. Or pushed because he's Vince's boy. Yet Roman Reigns, who has taken, God, an ungodly amount of pins in the last year. That guy's being shoved down our throat, and he's overbooked as a Superman. Can you explain this fucking logic to me, Jeff? Because I don't get it. Uh, I mean, the only thing I can say is the fact that, I mean, I know the only way I could explain it is the fact that Roman Reigns is, is he's he's still the same person, right? He, he doesn't really change that much. He's kind of a, a tween, in between heel face kind of guy. Roman's still in the same fucking gear from his Wyatt family days. <laughs> yeah, with the fucking extra padding for his dick. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, no, the, the the little change in the where he has where his dick is, it's like the different color. Looks like extra, I don't know, extra padding. He's always ready to face uh, Shinsuke. Like I have never noticed anything about his dick and his gear. No, his, doesn't his doesn't his pants have that like brown patch where his dick is, and everything else is like camo? I think he has patches on his leg. I mean, I don't know how low his dick hangs. Maybe that is where his dick is. But <laughs> I got, I got. Now I feel like an ass. Give me a second. <laughs> 
Okay, it's 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 black. It's a black area there. Never mind. So he's got Just ignore black, what I said. So he's, he's, got, he's got he's got big black. I was about, remember those those old pants that he had? They were terrible. I think it was back when he friggin' wrestled James Ellsworth or something. And I'm sitting here thinking of that. That's how that's how uh, up down the times I am. All right, so this episode is definitely going to be titled Braun Strowman's Big Black Dick. But uh, <laughs> oh, he has he has two brown uh, ass cheek pads. There you go. Oh, jeez, ass cheek pads is another great title. God damn it, yeah. Jeff! I'm giving you too much here. At least at least you have a variety to choose from. Uh, anyway, um, so all in all, how did you feel about the finish? I I didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> didn't like it whatsoever. Um, you gotta have a fucking finish. You just got to. I don't. I don't care if Bron, uh, Brock Lesnar comes in, beats the shit out of both these guys, and then one of them pins the other. It's still a fuck finish, but at least you have a finish. Like, how then, are we supposed to? Like, but then, how are all three guys strong for Saudi Arabia? Oh my God, they're not. None of them are strong. Fucking Brock Lesnar is the only one who's somewhat strong because he beat the shit out of both guys. Both, I mean, at least have Roman Braun Reigns Strowman. defend the title against Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior. You gotta at least have that. I mean, it's... I think it's... It's so dumb. I mean, they both look so weak coming out of this. They both look so weak. They just laid on the mat for 15 fuck minutes going for going through a table. And then they just got laid out by Brock Lesnar and they were incapacitated. They couldn't do anything else. And you literally built nothing out of your money in the bank cases this year. Because Alexa oh, cashed shit. in that same night. There was no build to that. And fucking Braun <laughs> carried it around for like, what, four or five weeks? And then said, here, take this shit. I don't want to carry it around anymore. And it cashed it in in a match that didn't have a fucking ending. And that's it, right? They didn't. That's, that's a, considered a failed cash-in, right? It is, yep. That's good. That's real. That's one of the few actually unique and interesting things that they still do in WWE and they just this is how they treated it yep oh boy I will say the first half of the pay-per-view was significantly better than the second half yeah that's fair what what for you was the cutoff when things went to shit uh probably the raw the raw title match raw tag team title match okay See, I liked Joe and Styles as a match, and ultimately, with the end, I hate the fact that they're pushing the... They, they use this to build to the Australia show, but I at least thought it was creative in the way they did it by having AJ absolutely tap and getting the camera shot to verify that. So at least now you've shown some vulnerability for AJ, um, which makes some That's sense. True. That's true. I, I do. I did like that match. So I think, I think the last three matches, I could have just... Stop. I didn't even have to watch the Daniel Bryan match. Yeah. Um, and definitely not the Rousey match, and definitely not the Strowman and Reigns match, and I would have been fine. I would have slept fine. Ugh. Yeah. And then instead I slept with anger in my heart. <laughs> and a boner in your pants. But that yeah. is going to do it for the recap of Hell in the Cell. I'd say we beat the shit out of this show just properly as, as much as it deserves. Uh, for those of you scoring at home, our final predictions for this pay-per-view between myself, Troy, and Jeff. Uh, an absolute fucking tie. We all had four. We all had different combinations to get there, but we all ended up with the exact same amount of uh, correct predictions, so good on all of us. Uh, Troy brought you all the indie dates last week, so I'm not going to go through all of that again. I think that would be a waste of time. But 
I will. Oh, did they? Did they get read? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He read them in a post show, a postscript after you had gone to bed. Oh, oh. You, you pulled an Adam and went to bed. Um, I did. <laughs> uh, so we are going to wrap up this special edition of the Rundown by telling you you can follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast or go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. You can email the show at rundownwrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That is 61-RUNDOWN7. We encourage you to go over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling and become a patron. Help us out. All of the proceeds raised on Patreon go directly into hosting fees and helping out the show. It is strictly not for profit. But you can also check out all of the other shows on the Rundown feed, including NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitromania podcast. Uh, you can follow myself at jstewart0920, and at J- and Jeff is at jokerswild, W-Y-L-D-702. Uh, and, Jeff, thanks for coming out for this special Friday to uh, help me out and recap the shit show that was Hell in a Cell. I know this is double duty, as you and Troy did record earlier this week, even if it never saw the light of day. So I do appreciate <laughs> you coming out to help out. Of course. Uh, also on Patreon, uh, I know Adam has that new show he's been doing. The, I think he calls it The Crapshoot, yes. where he goes through uh, random, really you know, renowned, awful pay-per-views yes. and covers them. And, and uh, Troy's been doing the May Young Classic, so that's pretty cool, too. Yeah, so the Patreon alone is worth the cost of just hearing Troy bitch about the May Young Classic and the presentation <laughs> of the women. It's quite entertaining so that is where that by itself is worth five dollars a month but you also get the crapshoot plus edition and uh access to all the editions early as they become available and pre-posted before they go live on the rundown feed so certainly want to encourage you to check all of those things out so that's going to do it for this special edition hell in a cell recap of the rundown wrestling podcast and fans, I encourage you to stay tuned to this feed all week long as we're dropping new content on the regular. But the flagship will be back next week. So I will simply leave you by telling you once again that we will see you next Thursday. <laughs>